Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech podcast, a roundtable discussion with leading WordPress tech experts. Here's your hosts, Jonathan Denwood and Andrew Palmer. This is show 664 of This Week in WordPress and Tech, and I am Spencer Foreman, your guest host from America not overseas. And this week, we're going to discuss several interesting stories, including but not limited to German court fines for GDPR. Is that justified? Plus, we're just around the corner from WordPress 6.0. We've got a lot of other great topics, and we've got an amazing guest. Andrew Schaefer, a well-known social media expert in the WordPress space, has been gracious enough to join us, and we put him in the hot seat right in the bottom. So hopefully we'll be able to hear from him on a couple of our big topics. Otherwise, we've got a great guest panel, as always, a full house here today. And if everybody would like to, starting with Neil, I'd like everybody to introduce yourself. Neil, would you please share a little bit about yourself with our audience? Hey, everybody. My name is Neil Schaefer. I am a digital marketing consultant, author, speaker. Uh, I'm best known. I've written two books in my early days on LinkedIn. So I'm well-known in the LinkedIn communities. But uh, after that, I wrote a book on social media marketing strategy called Maximize Your Social, a book on influencer marketing called The Age of Influence. And my next book is going to hopefully become the definitive digital marketing playbook. So I'm sort of a social media marketer turned digital marketer, hoping to breed some fresh new uh, insight into the space. Awesome. And we've got at least one topic today that we're definitely going to hear from you about. Let's go on to Stephanie. Stephanie, introduce yourself to the audience, please. What's up, everybody? I'm Stephanie Hudson. Uh, I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina, repping Focus WP, my company that does uh, white label outsourcing. And I would love it if you would come hang out with us in our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz, B-I-Z. And we've got Sally. Sally? Hi, I'm Sally Getch, the WP fangirl, uh, organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup and a big fan of all things Gutenberg. Me too. And now we've got Heather as well. Heather, please introduce yourself. Hi, I am Heather Wild-Renzi, the CTO of The Difference Consulting, uh, currently uh, hanging out around uh, 50 miles uh, offshore of the California coast and uh, scouting new locations for my next uh, conference, Uh, So, because I'm also the founder of AntarcticConf. Wishing I was there as well. Uh, And next we have Andrew. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Andrew Palmer, and I'm the owner of 23 WordPress plugins specifically for Divi Theme and also the co-founder of Bertha.ai. And you're working today from an undisclosed closet? I'm working from a new house that I've moved into uh, on Monday, and it's chaos because nothing is happening. The bunker is no more. That's right. The bunker is gone with all the guitars and stuff. And then finally, we have the original and still founder and host of the show of WP Tonic, Jonathan. Hi there, crowd. It's it's Jonathan from WP Tonic, where we help people build membership and education experiences on WordPress. Back over to you, Spence. Fantastic. Well, before we jump into the first topic, we've got to pay for the show. So we're going to go for our break now, and we'll be right back. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you just pray at one fixed rate with Castos. Plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. Welcome back, folks. I just want to point out that you can get an amazing offer for our main sponsor, Costos, as well as many of our other sponsors. If you'd like to do so, please jump on over to uh, WPTonic.com. And the URL you want to go to is recommendations, WPTonic.com slash recommendations to find out about uh, Costos as well as the other sponsors of today's show. Now, let's jump into our first story. This is entitled... German court finds website owner for violating the GDPR by using Google-hosted fonts. And for this one, I'm actually going to choose Heather because I would say you are a resident 
in the SaaS space and all that goes along with that. What did you have to think about this show, uh, particular topic? I think this uh, case is actually going to cause a lot more uh, waves than ripples um, uh, than a lot of people realize right now. Um, basically, uh, the, the crux of this is that um, somebody took to court Google um, for for putting Google fonts on their site, saying that it's a privacy violation. Um, and Spencer, you know more about this kind of thing than, <laughs> than I do. But, but basically, um, because... Uh, a uh, an IP address was forwarded to Google um, from just one file, like the Google fonts, then that was a privacy violation. Um, and because the judge ruled in uh, the plaintiff's favor, um, this now sets precedent uh, in the EU, um, starting EU. in Germany. Um, the, that means all, like it is a GDPR violation from just Google fonts, which can then be used against anything. So it's it could potentially, like I said, waves, not ripples, uh, take down all of Google Analytics and the like. Um, but it gives people, it opens the door for people to, for Google to go down a lot. I mean, this seems to me, the details, the devil's in the details. First of all, I'm not in any way an expert of European law, especially with GDPR, but I know enough. And from my legal experience in the US, first thing, is that the judge was a, from a regional court in Munich, and they actually not only gave injunctive relief, but 100 euros of damages. But the basis for this whole case is what's interesting, because it was not an active uh, violation. In other words, it was, it was sort of like, we didn't realize it, but it did this thing, but we're going to be punished anyway. And if you imagine the scope of everybody who was using Google fonts, if this is in any way, shape, or form upheld, it is going to be wild, wild west in the European Union for people going out for bounties, right? What did you think about this one, Andrew, since you're actively involved over on that side of the pond? I think uh, if an IP address can personally identify you, which we all know it can, you know, you can go down to right down to the latitude and longitude of the person um, using that particular uh, computer. Um, I think it's right that we should have been warned we should know about this, but I don't think the responsibility should be held uh, by the website owner. I think it's Google that needs to fix this and they need to fix it quickly because it's not. You know, it's 250,000 pounds, right? Yeah. It's, too, it's, it's the, a big deal. The I mean, every, single, every single Divi theme user uses Google fonts because. It's six Google months in prison. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I'm, I'm saying like you're you're now using Divi and it's got Google fonts and you're over there in, uh, you know, somewhere off the coast of Belgium. And next thing you know, your little teacup shop, somebody comes knocking and says, we need 250,000 euros or we're going to spend six months vacation over in uh, Sing Sing or something. Right? Well, it's 250,000 yeah. euros if you don't respond to the request to fix it. And in this case, um, you know, you can self-host your Google fonts, but part of the issue that's being discussed is like, it collects your IP address. Yeah, well, every freaking browser identifies your IP address every time you visit a website. I, I mean, it was it was kind of like, there, there was an issue where somebody uh, was complaining about something that, that was on a client site. Uh, and they were complaining about something embedded from the embed code provided by the news site. Right. Uh, and then they, you know, so we removed the embed and then, you know, they're still complaining that they, you know, they don't want, they don't want the links there. I'm like, does anyone understand how the internet works? <laughs> um, right. oh. You're know, like, you are complaining that that video is still available on ABC's website. I mean, the, th the thing is, Neil, I'd like to know Neil's opinion about this because isn't this partially an overreach of whoever made this decision by a small court? But really, this is a an educational problem, a social media problem. It's like letting people understand that the GDPR does not magically cure everything that these legislators or other you know politicians think is wrong with the internet. Um, it seems like this is something that could go the other direction that does more harm to GDPR than good because it puts a lot of light on how ridiculous the, the fines and penalties are and who is responsible versus the benefit, right? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think you just got to take a step back and look at the big picture because the concept of GDPR, give consumers, you know, privacy rights over their data, it, it is something that's needed, right? But yeah, mm-hmm. if you don't understand the technology behind it and you want to go after big companies and maybe this judge wants to make a name for him or herself, um, there has to be an oversight to the process. And those people have to be knowledgeable enough. I mean, the people who wrote the legislation I, were must have been knowledgeable enough. Um, but it's really the application. It gets a little silly when, yes, the internet is based on, um, you know, open source software is based on, I mean, it, it's all based on this whole collaborative community of interlinking websites. Uh, and to not recognize that as part of whatever guidelines you create would, would be really stupid. So I think it's just, it's real ticky tacky. It's not focusing on the bigger issues. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's sort of uh, ridiculous, but. But, I mean, but the, the point is that like, even just a $100 Euro fine for showing that like, oh wait, the IP address is cha- is being sent. Like, I mean, Google could be doing this on purpose just to test the waters and they might be like, okay, slap on the wrist. But if they don't change it, like, which they won't, because <laughs> they can't. Right. Well, <laughs> well, Google won't change it. The, the website owner could opt to self-host the fonts and therefore not collect that information. It, it kind of puts a big problem on the website owner, right? Because at the end of the day, most people I would gather don't know the difference between Google hosted fonts or remote fonts. And then, Furthermore, the penalty is not really being directed at the person who's culpable because really it's the software author or it's Google who's doing the thing that's allegedly violating. But more than not is it's there's no proportionality to this. I mean, in the law, legislative things always come out that are crazy, right? Like, you know, you can't walk your dog on Tuesdays and it's $100. Well, they have to go through this process of being ridiculous, get enough attention, and then the legislature, the legis- legislative people have to back down, right? Stephanie, you're. I see, it a- opp- I see it as an opportunity for people like um, Stephanie, who runs uh, a um, maintenance and management business, and people panicking, and she's saying, "Yeah, we'll do this for a deal. You know, we'll, we'll upload fonts for." Like, yeah, give us give us your thoughts because I think that's where the rubber's going to hit the road for the WordPress people. Is so, like, when the GDPR notice came out, even if it didn't apply in any way to America, every single conversation with a client started with, "What about the GDPR? I have to put this gigantic sticker at the bottom." What's your experience yeah. with this kind of stuff, Stephanie? What do you think? My my new policy is all aerial all the time. That's it. It's problem solved. Right. Well, but we need to bring back the blink tag. Like, we just need to just have everything. For sure. <laughs> For sure. We got to make it pop. You know, we got to make it pop. This site yeah. will definitely steal your data, make your life miserable, and you don't want to be here. But by the way, we've got a special offer just for you. Yeah. I mean, what, like, this is such a, it's, it's one element of so many things that are going wrong with the web right now. It's a little bit like we have jumped the shark with, <laughs> trying to combat all of the nefarious acts that are going on, it's now making it for just a borderline unusable space. How many things do you have to close to read a website at this point? Like it's, it's getting out of control. Most it's of them are obnoxious. Ads. Oh. Well, ads and your c- cookie pop up and your privacy thing and your this and your that. And then, then you scroll down and then it's the CTA. And then it's like, it's becoming like we're trying to solve problems, but it's we're not serving the end users and the visitors to the websites. So this is like there's so many things wrong with all of this. Yeah, we shouldn't be giving people's IP addresses because they're reading something in a font. Like it's ridiculous that that happens. And again, it's, you know, Google's not going to pay for it. Google's not even going to change. And then it's going to be the, the company owners that are going to get fined. And then who are they going to sue? Me. They're going to come sue me or they're going to sue their web developer who's then going to come after me because I'm managing their site or whatever it is. You know, like it's a really problematic, you know, it's like, oh, one IP address was sent to Google Fonts. Yeah, that sounds like a, such a tiny little sentence. And it's like, it's a ma- it's just a massive I mean, it's, a, it's a Getty's imaging problem, isn't it? Right. Getty images with their <laughs> army of lawyers. All right. So I'm going to fi- I'm going to finalize this one by bringing it up to Jonathan, who runs an agency has a lot of contractors, has a lot of clients that are well-to-do enough, but not necessarily experienced in the what and the why. And we've had these conversations between you and I a long time about what to say, how to say it. I feel that 
there's certainly a benefit in the internet as well as in the real world. If all of these warnings could be combined to one giant button, all jokes aside, that just pops up one window and like any other contract, nobody reads it, but just says, sure, fine. That's enough. But in the end, isn't it true that that really doesn't help the customer anyway? And it certainly doesn't help the sales process because the client who's coming to buy just either ignores it because they're bored or used to it, or they get into it and they get such a cold sweat that they run away. What do you think about that? Well, privacy matters, but in the age of modern security services, you know, especially America, the CIA and the spaghetti soup of different spy agencies, and especially the UK, which is one of the biggest spy, has one of the biggest spy worldwide spy network in the world. The idea that you've got any privacy is delusionary anyway. So it is, it's I, a I, a I joke, right? I, like, it does, still does bother me because it is pure 1984. You know, you've got any intelligence, you would but, be but, concerned. But just having but, an owner a browser on, right? I mean, we joke about this on the show, but if any of us say anything, it's going to be picked up by your multiple girlfriends in the room, Alexa and Siri. Well, Snowden, you know, every, everything we say on Zoom, everything we say on a podcast, anything, it's all Snowden, it's all been observed. It's all going into some database. It's been stored in Utah in one of the enormous data houses in Utah. It's out there. It's been monitored. It just right. depends who's monitoring it, really, doesn't it? All right, so let's bring this, let's tie in story number two. And I want to start with Neil on this one, because now that we're talking about, I was reading another story that ties into this about Microsoft, who was the original first and most not- notable violator back in the 90s, who really got taken to task in public for their antitrust stuff. But now they're- They haven't paid the fine, by the way. I, well, there goes the lesson, right? Um, <laughs> so- even then, they're a behemoth now because of new management, new tactics, but they really stand outside of the fray of the big ones like Apple and Facebook. But this next story is about how Apple has served Facebook up a poison pill, and now Facebook is starting to see some kind of public fallout from this. And it could be something to do with the other stuff like the metaverse and Mark Zuckerberg's personal preferences and so forth. Neil, what's your spin on story number two? Facebook lost daily users for the first time ever last quarter. Yeah, well, there's a lot of competition out there, isn't there? And we knew that Facebook was an aging platform, and I think this just really shows um, how much it is. Uh, obviously, we it was funny. I was just I have a, a 17 year old daughter today, and we were talking about TikTok, and you know, did did COVID cause it to accelerate? It's growth probably, but the fact of the matter is it's definitely, you know, crossed that chasm and uh, it's huge. And I, I, I don't know if you remember like a month ago, they said on a given month, there was more, was it traffic, web traffic to TikTok than to YouTube? It was a pretty right. fascinating statistic just of how big and how the amount of time that people are spending there is incredible. Even so, YouTube shorts, by the way, I, I want to recommend that because like, that's like a TikTok clone, TikTok clone in YouTube. And I even find myself now, flooded with shorts and I'm just sitting there mindlessly browsing through them like TikTok, yeah. right? YouTube's trying. You got, I mean, and then you got obviously Instagram reels. You got, it, I mean, everyone's trying to keep up with them, right? But uh, but that's, I mean, you, you got TikTok for the very young. You have Instagram for the very young and the millennial. And then you have Facebook, which a lot of people think is very toxic. Um, you know, at some point when your technology hits a certain level of maturity, there's no new people that are going to adopt it except younger people that are coming of age to be able to use social media. And they're obviously not going to Facebook. So I think it was only a matter of time. I think their growth had already pretty much flattened out. So it's it's not surprising at some point that's going to happen. Yeah. Sally, what's your spin on this? Because you and I share conversations in this group all the time about we we basically remember the good old days of this and the good old days of that. And I do find myself really amazed that certain things are attractive to my kids and to younger people who are, let's say, around those friends. What's your spin on whether this spells the the beginning of the end for Facebook, or is this just a symptom of their recent uh, bad news or other stuff going on? Well, I mean, we've seen a number of tech companies that uh, did really well during the pandemic 
suffer from losses in stock value lately. And some of it was just, you know, like Zoom, for instance, you know, their growth, you know, was one of those hockey stick curves once everybody was at home. But then you get to a point where, well, like everybody already has it. And then you cannot expect the growth to continue that rapidly, you know, with all of the users that Facebook has, there was, you know, there were not enough humans left to uh, to keep it growing at that rate. And yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, no young person wants to be hanging out where their parents are. If you you're think, if your you, parents are on Facebook, you know, you're going to want to go somewhere else to be with your friends. Yeah, can I say something? I think the elephant, I think the key headline is totally correct. But when you look into the story, that quarter, Facebook profit went up by 36%. To say that it's a money cow, a money cow, it's printing freaking money, um, is a slight understatement. But, you know, this is the shift. So I, I'm going to ask Heather this question because I, I saw an anecdote about the notoriety of Facebook and all the things they're trying to do to either remedy it or stick their thumb at people's eye. It's undeniable that certain kids of certain ages are not going to use the stuff that their parents use, but also Facebook in general. When I speak to older people, my father's age in their late seventies, eighties, they don't want it. So it's like, there's this generational thing of certain users, but isn't it true also that in Silicon Valley, that you've got a scenario where, People kind of think of being associated with Facebook as a dirty word now or a dirty reputational thing versus a newer, energetic, untarnished company. Do you think that has anything to do or is it irrelevant? Uh, well, sort of. Yeah, sorry. Are you? Are you oh, good. I mean, it, yeah, sort of, but it's, it's like, I mean, it's, you could say the same thing about Microsoft. Like, people for a while were like, oh, I don't want to work for Microsoft. It's old and stodgy. And yet, like, as I've said before, there's so many people that are just, like, hanging around Redmond just to, like, get an interview there. So I think there's always going to be people that are like, I need to work at Facebook because it's a huge company. And as far as, like, kids not wanting to be on on Facebook, of course they don't. Because, like, um, like tw- it's, like, 12 to... Like those tweens, Facebook's not for them. However, I know a lot of kids in college, uh, like the college age ones that are like happy to finally in the thing that they're like their older brothers, their their parents, their whatever on because now they feel like they're adults. So Do you it's, think it's, it's bell bottom genes of software platforms that it took long enough to go down to like 12 year olds till it became cool again. Like looking through their parents' closet and going, Oh, this thing, none of my friends are on. I want to go here now where my, you know, I'm reusing I mean, my mom's There, There's a thing about, I mean, it may be a little shuggy, like that, that kind of thing, like where, where they're like, Oh, I think it's something that I want to aspire to have because, um, but they know it's like, at like at 24 you're over tiktok like and you need to go to something else and like that's when you start like dipping the waters into linkedin and you're like well that's not an everyday thing and then you're like okay well what about instagram and then you go on instagram and everything's fake and it's just pictures and you're like okay well i need to actually connect with things but around like I mean, colleges still require you to have a Facebook account and they require you to have a, a class board, uh, uh, like a Blackboard account and all this stuff. So like kids are coming onto Facebook because their colleges require them to have Facebook groups and they require them to do all that stuff. So like, as far as like, the, a, like a LinkedIn, right? I mean, you yeah. almost need to have it, right? As a prerequisite. Yeah. And then once they're on it, they're on it. So, Stephanie or Andrew or Jonathan, dealer's choice on this. Do you feel that the move to meta for Facebook, and then we're going to move on to story number three, do you feel that this is going to be something that causes a great churning event or something that's going to get people interested where they might not be excited right now? I think nobody cares. <laughs> we don't care because we're geeks and we care about like is web3 what is web3 is it a thing like we're, we're all invested in what's coming with the tech uh most people are like okay there was some big announcement it's so meta whatever 
you know, like it made the news and now it's gone. Like literally, if you are just a user on Facebook, nothing has changed. It to you know, it just is like a business decision. Like they're just renaming. The, it's it's like, a different like, icon on my Instagram app. Right. But do you think it's like PayPal? Like when PayPal tried to bring its 1990s product into the 2000s and they just slapped an interface on the front of the same old, you know, clubhouse and you, you saw the cracks and everything. Don't start talking about clubhouse now. That's a whole nother. Well, the clubhouse, but, right, but metaphorically, like different with, interface, with, same crap. Is that with, with Meta, with Meta, think about where it's going, where he wants it to go, you know, into the virtual world and us all wandering around. And I think Meta or Facebook is, is going to turn into the sacrificial lamb in, within a few years because everybody will be in Meta. And that's going to be the transition because we've got Facebook glasses. You'll, you'll be able to have, um, you know, um, Oculus that won't look like Oculus. You'll be able to have the the, the heads up displays, and you will you'll be. You, we will all be enacting, probably not in my lifetime because I smoke too much. But you know, the, the we'll all be interacting in a in a virtual world. And I, I think that he is being quite visionary about it because he's saying this is where we're going because computer power is is getting bigger and better, cheaper, whatever. So, you know, give it a few years, everyone's going to be in meta and wandering around the street and with their friend. I'm going to be wandering around with you, Spence, in Chicago. I'll be in London and I'll be giving a guided tour of the, the, the Tower of London. And that's that's my certainty. I'm so certain about that. It, and I... Hope I live long enough for it to happen, but that's what's going to happen. I mean, the real question is whether it'll be a generic or a standardized interface. So, for example, I I could send over Jonathan some Oculus Rift headsets for a couple hundred bucks. Now, previously, you had to sign up with Facebook. Now, they've given you an option to buy out of that, which was interesting. But the point is, whomever makes the interfaces, or even if we get a little implant from Elon Musk, once we get to that point, it seems pretty obvious, right, Jonathan, that you're going to be unfortunately joining the Borg and, you know, becoming one with the rest of us, right? You're first in line. Um, well, you know my feelings towards Mark. <laughs> I think he's truly his own noxious individual. You know um, your feelings towards Mark. Don't worry. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I saw uh, letter um, you mailed him this year. But, you know, he... he He's upset a lot of people in Silicon Valley. You know, he's got sharp elbows, but maybe you need sharp elbows. Um, but he's got a notorious reputation in a in a part of the world that has a lot of notorious reputations. He's got one of the biggest notorious reputations. I think that's the best way of putting it. Wow. Um, this um, about virtual reality play. It's it's a bit like. You know, the phone where before Apple created and Steve Jobs created the iPhone, it's software linked with hardware. You know, you, you're not going to get the software until the hardware get, gets to a certain level. And you you can't, the, the hardware can't do anything without the software. So it's, it's a kind of a land, it's a land grab it's trick in the egg, right? Whoever builds yeah. the best hardware can get more interest in the software, but then it's a question, are they going to try a walled garden yeah. play? I, open? I don't think, I, 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 I don't think Facebook, because they, they're not, they've, they've obtained no success in hardware. I think the only, you know, that, that's got the money, you know, they've got so much money is Apple. You know, there are rumours Apple is the end of this year or the next year are going to be, have some hardware in this area. They're uh, a sleeping um, giant, aren't they? Considering what's at stake, right? Well, and they're, still, they're, made, they're costing Facebook $10 billion a year, according to yeah. uh, the CEO of Facebook right. yesterday. You know, so they, and, they're kind of, kind of stealing the march on them because they've got so much money and because they've closed down iOS to Facebook advertising and stuff like that. They've got, they're just costing Facebook. I mean, and it's not a stretch, and I want to move on to story three, but it's not a stretch to imagine since everybody has an iPhone device, a good majority, something that interacts with the phone much like the EarPods did, but that mm. gives you this interface would take a lot of the junk out of the headset, put it yeah. in the phone, and they're just doing Bluetooth. 
And I, I mean, it just seems we're all inevitable. carrying computers around with us everywhere we go. I'm going to challenge you on the good majority of people that have got iPhones. They haven't, but it's the majority of Android phones. Well, so. well Android See, too, but you know. Yeah, same same thing, really, in this particular thing. But here, yeah, but I think I have a prediction in 30 years to so 2050. The eBay of the metaverse is going to be selling Oculus Rift mm. headphones at a premium, like we see uh, original Nintendo boxes yeah. and the Brig Brick cell phones that are like a novelty item that were kind of dorky, and then they be they kind of swing back around to like you know because they got so upgraded so quickly they were so dorky, and then they come back to like vintage cool again, you know that kind of thing. That's yeah. what's going to happen. That it's it's going to just keep going. The big you know, I the glasses. I'm shocked haven't taken off yet, but I guess they're getting better. Andy, yeah, Andy, uh, you know those I kind think, of things. just keep getting smaller and more efficient and better. And then those big clunky things are going to be just the vintage versions of these. The StarTech cell phone is just want to wait mm-hmm. this. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But I think uh, just to finish off, I think the biggest thing is you just pointed out the two biggest players, Android and iPhone. Facebook don't have any hardware, and for this to really work. You need, you know, you, <laughs> you need hard. You need to be in the hardware area, and Google, you know, through their third parties through Android, and then Apple directly. Facebook just don't have that, so I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would make a prediction on that. See, and then we're going to move to the next story because I want before our break. I want to get in. I'm going to make a prediction. That's a wild one, but some some end user site. Could be OnlyFans, Pornhub, something like that is going to be the driver of the hardware because they've oh, got geez. the user, they've got the user base that immediately will pay premium amounts for the hardware. And if they do a partnership deal with the tech manufacturer, even I don't know if Apple would do it. That's like cart before the horse problem solved because immediately you know who's gonna buy it versus like Oculus Rift is a great thing, but it's a toy for many people that's unnecessary. Those dirty money, dirty money's going to pay for it. They have a lot of users in that space. Okay, I want to get in the third story. Looking ahead to WordPress 6.0, the early roadmap, and our guest Neil has been patiently here since we have so many opinions today. I want to let you start this one as well because we just jumped through 5.9. It brought a lot of changes, but it's sort of like going to IKEA and smelling that they're making the cinnamon buns, but they're not ready yet, and thinking like. <laughs> How long is it going to take? What's going to be coming out of here? So what's your spin on this roadmap and this particular story, Neil? Hey, you know what? I actually wasn't done with Meta. I just, I know we're going to move on. I just want to say one thing that a lot of people don't talk about. I look at when a company makes, when a company is going to do something, where's the money? And I think that the money's in NFTs. And I think that if they can be successful with the metaverse, they're going to control a huge economy of NFTs. I've already had big brands reach out to me for influence marketing campaigns regarding their NFTs. So, you know, and now we can attach an NFT to anything or anyone in this metaverse. So that's what I see. I, you know, I know you focus on like the hardware and software, but I think that's a missing angle true. that we, yeah. we should all look at as well. And I think that's what Facebook's big play. Jul- Julian Lennon, I'm a big fan of. And, you know, he had a rough time with getting his dad's assets, but he recently made what I think was a good move. And he took a lot of the stuff that he ultimately had to buy or got and he did NFTs by like dictating or reading or making videos of it. And that's actually a use case that makes sense compared to the lady farting into a jar and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> right. So sorry to take us another angle there. I, no, it's, yeah, a good, I, it's a good angle to go, actually, because, you, you know, it is there is so much now with crypto and NFTs and all that going on. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to either run the world or ruin the world you know it's 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 a bit iffy or both now. it's not like those things are mutually exclusive <laughs> no, exactly <laughs> there's room for all of them right all right so what's your spin on the the wordpress because i think all of us are wondering how soon and what's going to happen and are we going to make the jump to light speed with like the full site editing or is this just going to be another incremental baby step yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Um, I am like the, the layman here. Um, you're all the WordPress experts. And even something like Gutenberg has taken many years for people to actually use. And if people don't use it, you know, the, the development of plugins and the community, what have you, it takes time as well. It just takes time for people to change. So, and I think, you know, with WordPress, that, that is the case. They, you know, every new update, there are major updates. I think Gutenberg was the most major update of the last few years. 
I don't see 6.0 being the major update of the scale of Gutenberg. Um, that's just my own layman's opinion. I'd, I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. Well, let's jump over to Stephanie on this one. Stephanie, I mean, because you run these, you recently had a big event and you deal with a lot of people in the space who are the end users as professionals and otherwise. What's your spin on whether this is going to be really consequential or is it going to be just sort of another little step? Listen, don't forget, we have image filters coming, you guys. <laughs> right. That's huge. <laughs> huge. This is huge. I thought... Full site editing should have been called 6.0. I yeah. thought that was a big thing. So I'm a little confused as to what we're actually talking about. And then that sort of launched and it was like kind of like nothing. Well, 5.9 was sort of like uh, we take a half a step towards the thing we're talking about. The biggest issue Well, they, is took, really, they took more than half a step. But the idea but of 6.0 is to, to, and so forth. Make it more, you know, make it more usable. It's a big change, but unless you switch over to a full site editing theme, you're not going to notice anything very dramatic happening. Right. I mean, that's the thing right now. There was originally the 2022, and now they say a few other uh, themes have come up. But the big issue with this, uh, to spin this, and then I'm going to take it over to Andrew on this because this gets into Divi and your experience with the marketplace is that there still has to be a resolution, a unified thing about well, how are we going to build this thing? Because we can't have this random meatball hanging out there that build 5,000 specially made custom oh, themes versus one bootstrap-like canvas that I've been ranting about and that everybody can build onto that. And you're, again, we, I always bug you because your expertise in Divi, but it applies to Elementor, it applies to the core editors, and it applies to people making themes. There's a big investment. Can we all get along and just make an agreement to build one thing in one space? I don't, I don't think we can. You know, it's the Android phone, iPhone situation, plugs going in, USB ports. It's that kind of argument, you know, and you've got so many people that want to take advantage of, of a very competitive but very large space. So they're going to build their themes. They're going to say, this is the best way you can go. And this is where Divi, Divi isn't, isn't a plugin per se. It is a plugin, but it's a, it's a theme. So it's the largest biggest selling theme in the WordPress ecosphere, right? There's a bit of proof of that is the numbers are there. Um, I don't think it applies to Elementor anymore, WordPress, basically, because Elementor have gone the hosting route, 89 bucks a year for one site, including Pro, right. Elementor Pro. I think loads of agencies are going to use that. I know that hosting companies are not happy about that move by Elementor. I've spoken to a few of them over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I don't think it applies to Elementor, but there will always be the, the opportunity. And I agree with you, Spence. We should have just a, a, a standard theme and we'd be able to build our own stuff going along using patterns, using blocks. But then even now, there are over 150 block plugins, right. one of which I own, right? So, and then Gutenberg AI is going to come into its own as well. But because there are opportunities out there. Somebody doesn't have a block for that. Somebody doesn't have a block for that. The core blocks in uh, Gutenberg are basic, right? Because they don't allow us to do the things that we want to do. Poodle and right, and right. redundant. Well, Poodlepress just came up with with my what I, call, I called, you know, I chatted with him a few months ago about Divi Layout Injector. Lo and behold, James has come up with Block Layout Injector. Brilliant. Exactly. Really good, right? So... You can inject any block into any page dynamically using the Google Press block injector. Brilliant. So you're going to have, you're still going to have all of these people wanting to make um, either their mark by being a contributor and doing free blocks. And you're going to make the people like Syad, me, um, Lemma with Learn Dash, you're going to have Learn Dash. Yeah, Brian, Brian Gardner with the Frost Project. I Brian thought was because he, he's given that away because he can afford to give it away because it's part of WP Engine, you but, know. So there's, but isn't this a problem of somebody in the WordPress echelon not either, first of all, either taking control from automatic top down, but maybe that's not possible because it's really like a bunch of people in a car trying to decide at lunch where to go for everybody to eat. And you ever watch 30 Rock when they have the thing at lunch, who's yeah. going to get to choose? Nobody could choose anything because we see this in the post status group. Uh, I mean, 
you can say one topic and there'll be 900 different opinions. And so nothing gets done when there's not top-down decision-making. So my question is, does it make sense for somebody of consequence, a company of consequence to say, hey, we're going to be the first, like Elon Musk, we're going to open source the Tesla stuff and invite everybody else who makes the stuff to just agree on the standard, right? Would that make sense? Because then it makes it makes one hundred percent sense, but it's not going to happen. It's the you know suck it up, baby. It's the nature of open source. <laughs> you know, uh, WordPress is open source. It's GPL. It's the, it's the nature Anybody of everything. But yeah, I mean, how many forum plugins do we have? How many? You know, this this has been the path of everything in WordPress. It's not necessarily bad. Uh, but, you know, I saw somebody recently share one of those um, XKCD comics about, you know, somebody saying, this is ridiculous. We have like eight different standards for this. We need one that combines them, you know, two weeks later. We have nine different standards because, you know. Yeah, but you're always going to get people screaming, but we, it's freedom. It's free. WordPress is about freedom. You know, it's always said it's about freedom. I'm free to build my own plugin, my own block, my own yes, pattern, my own and theme. you and you should be. And you know, I do think you know there are certain things that should be improved about the core blocks, and I think the core team gets ideas as a result of like stuff that goes into some of the third party blocks. Um, and I think the third party blocks are wasting their time if the blocks they create are basically duplicates of the core blocks and that, you know, the interest is going to be in the blocks that do what core blocks don't, the blocks that do things that not every website necessarily needs because not every website is going to need product blocks or calendar blocks or learning management blocks just as they don't need the functions. And so those things go into the plugins it's it's gonna end up looking like the drawer we all have in our kitchen under the microwave that has all those miscellaneous miscellaneous tools i think we need to go for our break right okay <laughs> so sorry i've been watching the time and so since we had a lively discussion let's uh let's go for our break and we'll be right back folks Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Alamator or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. I'm Bertha, an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. In just a few clicks, you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert from blog posts to landing pages to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on Bertha.ai. See you soon. And we're back. <laughs> Listen, we, we actually used up a lot of our time, depending on whether our... Uh, leader here would like us to do one more story or should we go into recommendations? What do you think, Jonathan? I think we've got time to do one more story and then okay. Neil, Neil will nod off and want to go. So, so uh, why don't we try story number five, which is making the web better with blocks because it kind of ties into what we're doing. And this is from Joel Spolsky, who is old school. Joel on software. Joel on software is old school back in the day. I want to turn this over to Heather if you if you had a peek at this one because Joel kind of ties it together, you know. What was your thoughts on his discussion of blocks and using blocks because it seems like he's coming at it from a, an angle that's not common, right? He's not he's looking at how it should work like we're just talking about as a system. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh this actually works really well for people that are just coming into the idea of of blocks. I mean, it's um, his idea is saying like, uh, 
whether you're using React, whether you're using um, WordPress, no matter what you're doing, um, when you're designing something, you should be thinking of your website as kind of like a wireframe, like a user diagram. Um, and then it should all be interchangeable. So if, if you've got uh, a user flow uh, where um, you're thinking, okay, well, how should somebody be coming into a site? Uh, then, then it should be, you can, you can just block it out. And then, um, I mean, it's just, he's just thinking of a website um, as, as like a wireframe. Like a low, like he's, a low he's calling it this block, this block protocol, right? So what he's saying is yeah. essentially for, for the users who can't see this, there's an image and it's essentially saying like a wireframe that when you make stuff, blocks, this is the way you should do it so that everything follows the same pattern and think of like Lego blocks, right? They only work because they're all the same shape. They all have the same size. They all have the same measurements. It wouldn't be good if they were made out of wood or they had square connectors and they had little different angles. They have to be standardized because I think his lesson or takeaway is nobody's doing it. We're going to be the ones to figure this out. And like I referred to bootstrap by providing that for the universe to use, we can all start to get along a little better, right? With whatever you build. Yeah, the, the specific thing that is interesting to me in this is that he's not just talking about WordPress. I don't know if that's been clear right. to the listeners in what we're saying, but he's Could saying like out. specifically a block protocol so that whether you are building a page in WordPress or Medium or Notion or wherever you're building your content, that it's all the same. And I think this is kind of a funny topic right after the one we just had where we're like, we can't even standardize it on they, one they, platform. They, and this guy wants it standardized for the world. Right. Well, go, I mean, look, we have like the W3C trying to uh, set up standards for the internet. And, uh, uh, you know, we can't get the tiny handful of big browser companies to always um, yeah, have but, uh, be in line on that. It's not a bad idea. I think it's a brilliant freaking idea. Uh, but to have, you know, blocks uh, detached from their environment... Um, I do think it's just going to be, uh, you know, logistically very difficult but for the like, same like reason. Back in 2006, where we all had the promise that you can log in with Facebook or Google and everything will be available. But then we just, we learned very quickly, yeah. no data will go out. I just go, I just think it's really, I've just been listening to the panel. It, look, it, it's it's unfortunate in one in ones because Gutenberg's got so much promise because linked to this story, and for there there's been costs about burnout around plugin and theme producers because they they've had all to deal with all this ongoing change plus they've got to make sure their plugins and themes work with all these different page builders, it's resulted in a lot of burnout, um, a lot of additional cost time. But Gutenberg is a great possibility. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm leaning now to what Spencer's saying. If we had a real good starter framework, it's a kind of template theme framework, and people could bolt different stuff upon that, it would be probably a better position than... It's called Wix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's called Wix, it's called Shopify, it's called Webflow, it's called whatever the other ones are. Any, anything that can dictate the standard, that's what it's saying, it's right? There. It's there already, you know, and we're complaining about it because it's not in WordPress. So, you know, it's called Elementor. You know, it's got a standardization. Yeah, what I'm probably saying, it, what I'm probably saying is the great leader and the people I'm, of automatic want to look at which I mean, some of the others, going, right? I mean, yeah. so I, I'm going to let Neil have the last word on this and then I want to go to our recommendations, but I just want to well, throw... Well, can we, um, if Neil's up to it, can we... I'd love to hear Google, um, Neil's thoughts about Google, Um so if we could go to story forward. Oh, absolutely. I just right, so to say we... one comment. And actually, this ties in with what we just talked about, the WordPress roadmap. What is WordPress's vision? What are the problems that I have that they're trying to solve? Sorry, Gutenberg solves some of the problems, but Elementor saves a lot of problems. And guess what? If WordPress can't solve the problem, I will go to a Wix 
or Squarespace. Recently, my WordPress developer said, hey, you should look at Webflow. You don't have to deal right. with all this WordPress nonsense. It's a so controlled space. Think that's what it Once again, keep your eye on the ball and understand what the pain points we have. If you're a WordPress theme developer you have a, or plugin developer, your pain points are very different than the small business owner, right? Um, but that's what I'd like to see them resolve. Gutenberg did that. I'd like to see more of things that, that relate to speed, ease of use, you know, SEO. Uh, to me, you know, Elementor, Yoast, uh, the Gutenberg theme they use, I love Bloxy. Um, those are my heroes, not WordPress. And WordPress should be the ultimate hero. So I'll stop there. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so uh, I want to throw in too that one of the things that I talked about this week for the WP Minute uh, thing was this topic of, like a lot of the developers that we represent or are involved with are feeling a little nostalgic, but like Jonathan said, the burnout, they don't want to get into building React stuff. So I think a lot of the first tier of people that got us where we are today are sort of saying, time to go. And not in a negative way like WordPress sucks, but rather I know I'm going to need a whole level of skills and support that I didn't need in the PHP stack. And that's a deciding factor for them. All right, so let's just pop over real quick to story number four, which is Google just had another record quarter. Again, kind of the antithesis of, of the numbers count, but focusing on the money count. Neil, what's your spin on this one? It says because or in spite of everything going on, which is probably relevant. It's, it's funny, the, the way that the public views Google versus Facebook, like the emotions when you hear those names, it's very different. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say it's really interesting because I do think that Google, when I think of like you, when you create a YouTube video, and I, I, I think the, my reading of the article was that YouTube ads especially were, had a huge increase in revenue. And when I, I do think in a funny way, Google seems to be a little bit more responsible. Like for instance, is this video meant for children? I mean, they will ask you. Um, they're doing a lot more. I, I was asked by a reporter about like people that are following stupid trends on TikTok and like kidding themselves or doing harmful things, right? I think YouTube actually has been a little bit better, although there have been issues in the past. I actually think they've been a little bit better. So, you know, um, Google- Yeah, I me, think that Tide Pod challenge predates TikTok. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, obviously. But but I, I, I do think that Google, you know, that I- like I said, I'm a, a, a social media marketer converted digital marketer. And I just think everybody, you know, they, they're on the hamster wheel of content creation for social media when search engines are right there, Google being number one. I still think that there is huge potential for growth in Google ads just because they're dominant place in the marketplace. In YouTube ads, we, we now have Google Web Stories and YouTube Shorts. They're trying to find new ways. I mean, look at what Mr. Beast did, the economy of YouTube. The amount of advertising revenue that Google is able to give to a Mr. Beast so he can create something that competes with Squid Games, right? I mean, and that guy freaks me out is, every day. Because, yeah, for those who don't crazy. know Mr. Beast... I have, have never we, heard of Mr. Beast, we have to I tell think who that's is. just as well. Oh, man, okay. Mr. Beast is a YouTube creator, kind of like a guy PewDiePie, but now exponential. He has a team of people, but he he has... I think I looked 186 million subscribers, but when he posts a video, maybe it's 86, but when he posts a video, his videos are like, he's giving away hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of things in a scheme. And then he gets like 190 million views of his videos. And I don't know what that revenue equates to, Neil, you probably know, but I imagine it's an eight to nine figure business for this kid. Yeah, it, the whole idea is, hey, I am making so much advertising revenue I know, if, and this is the way YouTubers work. They make so much advertising revenue. They also have like, you know, uh, brand partnership deals. But at his level, it's just, it's pure like ads. Uh, he makes so much money and it's so predictable based on views. They says, hey, I know that if I make X videos a week, I'm going to get this much views. I'm going to get this much more revenue. Now Brilliant. I'm going to start to invest in making better videos to get even more views because there's there's ROI attached to it. It's actually really, really intelligent. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the panel's like me. I don't watch cable television i haven't watched cable yeah. television for years i, only I watch, haven't watched television since i, was I only 13. watch youtube and listen to podcasts i don't i don't even listen to the radio i don't it's I the just, shakeout it's the it's the shakeout of the internet that's continuing for decades it's all the time we grew up watching tv it's all you know it's in tiktok it's in youtube these are huge economies that aren't even mature yet in my mind i so mean the just Google just 180 million views like that, think about just just comparing TV, right? Like my sister's in TV and media and they a great show might get 5 million visitors to a show on ABC. And this guy posts 
six videos a day in five channels and he's getting 180 million people and immediately getting paid. I mean, and nobody knows him. Like nobody over 22 knows who he is unless you're in the social media space. My kid, try, my 10-year-old, 11-year-old keep trying to tell me to look at this stuff. I can't stand what he does. But it's just, that's why we don't get it, right? Like the entire economy. I was wondering, Sally might've had a funny laugh on this, but with regard to the Google revenue, it's like, I'm wondering if the 65 billion is as a result of taking all the free Google uh, spaces and making us pay six dollars. I just want to. I just want to ask Neil this before we go to our recommendations and wrap it up. Neil, the, I think the other factor is, isn't it? This is a monopoly now. This is the biggest monopoly in the world. This is, this has become such a, well, funny enough, a beast. Uh, um, sure, you know. Surely it's got to be broken up. You can't, you can't, if this continues at the growth that, you know, it's, it's pure monopoly, isn't it? Well, they do have alpha, beta, and beta. Alpha, beta, and beta, they do have two companies. But yes, it, it is a monopoly. I think it's one of those things where, um, who is harmed by it? I suppose it's those companies that don't appear organically in search engine results and those companies have to pay a lot of money. But I do think Google is the case of something that is very utilitarian, that for us giving up our privacy and letting them be a monopoly, we are getting tremendous benefit from it. Think of life without Gmail, without Google Maps, without Android. I mean, we can go on and on and on. So it's an interesting balance, right? Um, but yes, at some point, if you're going to go after Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, and they have tried to go after Google, um, but now that they're reaching this whole level, yeah, at some point, I just don't know if a broken up Google is going to be a solution to the world's problems. It's um, passing it down, isn't Yeah, well, it? it's America, so they're not going to nationalize The it. GDPR thing comes into play, too. It's like you break it up, and then what? You're going to have six different companies that are going to manage it? It doesn't even... AT&T. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Right. I mean, you know, how are you going to break up Google? You know, what is Google? It's not... Google is is the search engine, is ads, is um, Gmail, is, you know, it's helping businesses pr present themselves on um, Google business listings, it is a it is a helpful thing, right? It helps us make money. It helps our customers make money. Yes, it can be. You can see it as a monopoly, but I don't understand the the mentality behind we need to we need to break it up because it's making so much money and it's got so much control. It is up to us as individual users, businesses, creators, etc., whether or not we want to use that service to our benefit and to our to our, our our customers benefits because if i sell chocolates and i'm top of google i'm giving my customers the best chocolates and it's thanks to google right so thank you google thank you facebook thank you youtube i don't want to break you up i'm completely against breaking you up because i adore you and i i, I love you and i will love you forever but yeah, clean up your act, right? Clean up your privacy. Do do everything that you can to, to do stuff because I'm giving you money and part of that money I want, like I give to drug companies when I get my prescriptions, I want them to clean up their act and make sure that what they're, what they're giving me is clean urofen, right? So I don't want to, to be poisoned by the stuff they're giving me. So that's my view. It's going to be Wild West. The technology might have more to do with it than anything else because if there's an alternative way to consume that moves us over to something else. And then, you know, everybody stays the old lemonade stand. I think we've had a great show, but yeah. it's our recommendations. I want to start with Neil. Uh, Neil, please share with us how uh, or what you think is your recommendation. If you have one, if you knew you were supposed to bring one today, if not, we'd love uh, for you to share about your site or where people can find you. Well, no, I, yeah, I didn't. Well, I think you might've mentioned the email, sorry. Um, but since we're talking WordPress, I just want to give kudos to, individual WordPress developers or WordPress plugins that I think should be known by more people that aren't. Um, so there's a plugin that I love called Link. It, this is a paid plugin. I'm not going to drop an affiliate link or anything, but it's called Link Whisper. And what Link Whisper does is it basically goes through your site and it gives you suggestions of where you should create internal links. So internal linking is something in the SEO world that we know about. But if you have a blog like mine that has 450 different posts, being able to strategically do internal linking is, is not easy uh, unless you're really good at Excel. 
So it's a really well thought out tool that I've been using since its early days. It's now maybe two, three years old. I've seen it just get better and better and better and using more AI and better performance. Just It's what you want in a plugin that fills this immediate need. I think it's like $69 a year or something like that. But um, if you understand the importance of SEO and the importance of internal linking and your WordPress user, uh, and you manage SEO or do that on behalf of your clients, I highly recommend this plugin. And um, it immediately Frank. shows you how many orphan posts you have, you know, where uh, uh, your external link, internal versus external link numbers, you know, what domains your external links are going to, et cetera, et cetera. So there's also a lot of power in its analytics, even if you don't use it to do the actual internal linking. Awesome. So we put that in the show. And while we're at it, um, why don't you let us know, let the audience know where they can find you because we're going to consolidate this together. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I will tell you. No, no, the the link whisper was awesome, but I'm going to try to make it so you can have a chance to share where people can find you. I am the real Neil, Neil Schaefer, N-E-A-L. Uh, S-E-H-A-F-F-E-R, that's uh, in social media, YouTube, podcast, um, and then my website. And Neil, I just want to say, Neil, I consider Neil one of the true experts on digital marketing. He's been on one of my other shows, and my God, Neil, you know, you're you're a beast of social media, to say the least. No, not Mr. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very Um, much. So let's go around the horn. Stephanie, what's your recommendation of the week? I am recommending Monster Contracts for those who are doing um, web projects. This is a very valuable service, especially to me this week in particular. Um, It's a contract that you you buy for $1.99 and then there's a nominal annual fee for up and they give you updated contracts as laws and things change. I was terminated by a client for the first time this week (laughs) and I didn't. I didn't shed a single tear. If you, you know what I'm saying. For where? Yeah, I. But we were. They've paid their fifty percent deposit. We're one week away from launching the site, and they want us to hand everything over to them. But we've got an ironclad contract that says they actually owe us in full because we've already begun development. So now they need monster attorneys to go with that to go enforce so monster contracts. Yeah, that's, it's, um, it's that, that's just your step one. But it is good to. Have. I know. So for somebody like you, Spencer, that has all the legal connections, I'm not and experience, you don't need it. But uh, but it's so useful for all of us creatives who want to just put our head in the sand when it comes to the legal stuff. It is a good idea. It is a good idea, indeed. Sally, what's your recommendation of the week? Uh, my recommendation is Twenty Eight Days of Black History. Uh, as uh, uh, our panel, one might notice, is uh, a little bit white. And um, uh, right. if, you were, if, if you're like me and you were raised, uh, you know, as white privileged girl in a very white town, there is a whole lot of American history about which you know nothing. Uh, and this will help uh, repair uh, that absence. <laughs> Heather, by the way, thank you, by the way, for that, Sally. Heather's recommendation was for a wearable air purifier to remove mm-hmm. pollen called Air Vita. That'll be in the show notes. Andrew, what are you recommending this week? I just want to say that we we know about American black history because we were educated in the UK, but that's my point. Mm-hmm. Don't get us started. Um, the, yes, but do you know about UK black history? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, don't, don't worry. I, I've been educated in the UK. I'm pretty cool <laughs> what I know about America. Um, the recommendation this week is uh, Jamie Marsden himself. He's uh, And a good wishes to him, and I think the panel will wish him good wishes. He's going under a, a little heart procedure today and uh he'll be okay he'll come out of it tomorrow but he, he left a little tweet saying right i'm going in i'll see you on the other side and then corrected the tweet and said maybe seeing you on the other side wasn't the right thing to say <laughs> so, you know but i'm recommending him as a, a a fantastic person in the community real good con- contributor and uh his plugin particularly that i've mentioned already is the block layout injector it's going to change your life if you you want to put banners up footers stuff in dynamic stuff in uh, post content if you're using um, Gutenberg it's one of the best plugins out there so poodlepress.com block layout injector and that's what you want and uh, good wishes to Jamie as well fantastic and Jonathan do you have something for us this week yeah it's a video from you know he's come on the show hopefully this month he might be coming back that's from W Paul from WP Tots and um, it was animator wire frame template kits. He does a video about it. It's from animator. It looks really cool. Go and have a look at the video. 
Fantastic. And I actually have an odd one because I like to play with various video editors. Um, it's called Video, and the link in there, uh, so it's VEED.io. But it was a very clever online editor, and it worked actually on mobile as well. Um, I love Bloom, and I love uh, all the other plugins that I use on uh, Mac or PC. But this was just an alternative way. And one of the clever features was you can do your on-screen recording and do like Sal, uh, you know, the tutorial instructor does, where you can mark up, you know, all of the things while you're doing it live. And I thought that that was an interesting feature, especially if I was doing a tutorial. Um, and the recording capability seems to be pretty brisk. So that's one to check out as well. Um, I think this has been a terrific show. I want to thank Jonathan for allowing me to come in and stand in his Good job, seat. Spence. Thank you. And Your energy up all hour. Right. I want to say that next week, if I or if I ever do it again, I will do it with a full British accent. But at least in the meantime, I want to thank Neil Schaefer for joining us. And hopefully it wasn't too painful for us to beat up on you. But you actually had, I think, the most the best answers of all on most of these topics. Um, and I really hope- remember I had that all aerial one? Right. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I hope, I hope Neil will join us again because um, hopefully you've enjoyed it, Neil. But um, your insights have been fantastic. A, a, lot, a lot of times on the show, you get caught in a corner and you're kind of caught in the crossfire. But today, the show topics were just in the right wheelhouse. But I hope everybody will visit neilshafer.com. I hope everyone else who is listening or viewing will join us next week for another great selection of stories and an interesting panel of WordPress experts and professionals. Until then, Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.